Hey guys, what's up? If you run a lawn care landscaping business and you want to know about what's next in AI and robotics, what's going to change the industry, you don't want to get left behind, you're going to love this episode. In this episode, I had Joel Northrup, who's the founder of Deep Lawn, which is currently the only lawn care uh, landscaping fertilization um, estimating software that actually uses AI. Uh, it's the only one out there available right now. And it's kind of crazy too, because he actually built and sold a seven-figure lawn care company himself in high school and college. Um, and if you're also interested in, hey, how do I use automations and AI to not only destroy the competition in a good way, in a good way, um, but also use those tools um, to leverage the growth in your business as you're currently an owner operator and making the leap towards being out of the field like someone like myself is. So with that being said, we're going to jump right in. But if those things sound kind of interesting to you, you definitely want to want to stick around, uh, especially towards the end where we start talking about robotics. So uh, enjoy. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Motivated Lawn Care Show. I'm your host, Caleb Nguyen, and today uh, we have Joel Northrup on the show. So a little bit of a, a background about Joel. He started his own lawn landscape business back in high school, uh, just like I did, and he built it up quite a bit. I would say a little bit more than I have so far, um, and then used that business as a way to pay his way through school and ended up making a sale in that business. Went into software engineering, um, already had a pretty good career, I would say, in that going for him, and then realized, you know, that there's a hole in the market specifically when it comes to AI estimating type software um, for lawn care and landscaping businesses. So today we're going to just run it through and, and kind of ask him, get some feedback from him on, uh, first off, growing a pretty substantial size lawn and landscape company in the first place, which is pretty difficult to do, uh, especially at a young age. Um, and this is you know, years ago at this point. So technology has definitely moved and advanced quite a bit since then. So we're going to get a little bit of his uh, insight onto into how he did that, how he would do it differently now today, and then go a little bit more into the software company that he's running now, Deep Lawn, um, and what they are doing. So first question for you, Joel. First off, thanks for taking the time to, to be on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Caleb. Yeah. So the first question I got for you is it's going to be a little bit more broad to do it, do what uh, with it, what you'd like, but how did you go about like, first off starting and then growing uh, a pretty substantial business in high school in, in college? What, what was the journey like for that? Cause I know a lot of guys get stuck at a own, like basically just owner operator where they're just running the business and it's just them out in the field, that kind of thing. How did you make that leap, especially at a younger age, hiring people? And how did you make the leap from maybe just you and your brother uh, running things to to having an operation where you had several crews going. How did you how did you go about doing that? Yeah. So when we started, was we we incorporated our business in like 2011. When we started, we were just primarily mowing. So we were mowing properties. You know, eventually we got into the hardscaping and all that. There were many different iterations of the business and transitions, and, but. We, we just started getting, eventually, we started just getting too much work. Um, and my brother and I actually acquired two other local companies in our area. And I think those were in maybe 2013 and 2012. And those were mowing companies. So at, at some point, we just, we weren't able to, just us to be able to take care of things. And, you know, I saw, because I, I would spend a lot of time in high school, a lot of my free time on lawn site. Now, lawn site today is it's not very active, mm -hmm. um, so you know it, it's a far cry from what it, it, back in its heyday. Yeah, it's the long here forum. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Lawn care, you know, it was the lawn care forum. Now most mm-hmm. of the forums are on Facebook groups, mm-hmm. but lawn site back in the day was, was crucial. I would go on there and I would just ask questions to some of the, some of the company owners that have built, you know, very sizable 10 million plus dollar companies. And they would give, they would give insights and they would always tell me, Hey, you got to figure a way to get out of the field. If you really want to scale this company, you know, beyond just a normal paycheck into an, a real enterprise, a real company, rather than just say a job, you really got to figure out how to hire good people and um, eventually get out of the field so you can work on higher, higher value things. Um, you know, if my time is being spent as a lawnmower or a, a fertilization weed control technician, I, I can bring, you know, only so much value to the company, which those are very valuable roles, of course. But if you know, I would like my time to be more valuable where I can, you know, implement technology or implement systems or hire the right key people or help sell the next jobs or build systems that can help scale the company further than I, w- I could just mowing. So I think, you know, pretty shortly on, my go- our goal, my brothers and I goal was to get out of the field. Um, of course, you know, as you know, you, even with four to six crews, you have to occasionally put the boots on and get out mm-hmm. of the field. And, yeah. and we definitely did that a lot. Good. Yeah. So how did you get it to the point where, you know, you and your brother had so much work that you had to go out and, and hire those people and start building those systems? Because obviously some guys never even get to that point where they start asking those questions where they say, where they're asking, you know, people who run bigger businesses, they're still stuck at question number one, which is how in the world do I actually grow this to the point where that's my problem. My problem is I have too much work because that's the best problem to have, obviously. And from there, you can do anything you want. So how did you guys in the first place, were you able to start getting so many clients, so many leads in the door? And then what did that transition out of the field look like for you guys? Yeah. So I agree. Like most problems can be solved with selling more. Sales can yeah. can solve a lot of problems. If you have cash flow pro- problems, just sell more. And that a lot of times can fix it. Mm-hmm. So we were very early on in like 2011, 2012, very few lawn care businesses had websites at the time. Many in our market didn't have a website presence at all. So we put a lot of time into building a really good website. We put a lot of time into our search engine optimization, um, okay. getting backlinks, uh, posting good copy on the website, good verbiage. So we wanted so that we show up because we, you know, we grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And that's where the lawn care company was based initially. And so we wanted to show up highly when people look up Lawn Care Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, most consumers are looking on Google. So it's very important that you, you build your website in a way that it can be found easily on Google. Also, like a huge, a huge kind of hack, it's not a hack, but a huge way to get revenue, very uh, amazing return on investment is really put a lot of time into your Google My Business profile and get as many five-star reviews as you can. So we were very early on that. Um, we would we would call all of our customers. We would even give five dollar gift cards if they uh, you know a happy customer would fill out a review for us. Um, we would get just as many of our customers as we could to do that, and that paid huge dividends. And at, at the time, I think we had over like 120 five star reviews. You know, this might have been 2014. And we were the most, you know, the highest rated, essentially we had more five-star reviews than any other lawn care company in all of Iowa. So that was another thing we could brag about. So so that was huge uh, word of mouth, incentivizing clients to tell other clients. But, you know, for the most part, Google 
Google was a huge source of revenue. And I think in 2014, we started paying Google, Google paid ads, search ads, just so that we showed up at the top when somebody looked up lawn care, Cedar Rapids, or landscaping, Cedar Rapids, landscaping, Iowa City. Yeah. And, you know, that was a huge return on investment for us. Um, since, you know, in the years since, Google ads have definitely become more and more expensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, there's probably not the ROI today that there was back then, you know, and we, we, I talked to a lot of companies, you know, thousands of companies around the country on a monthly basis and Google ads are definitely costing more and they don't bring as much ROI. Mm. Um, but, but they definitely back then were a tremendous ROI for us. And, and we just continue to grow. And with the acquisition of those other companies that helped us get, you know, definitely some more cash flow and revenue, and then, you know, within a few years, we had a few crews going, mowing, you know, I was still, I was mostly in the office doing sales. And so my brother was still in the field the first few years mm-hmm. uh, until we got about five or six crews. And then he kind of transitioned more to some of the landscape installs and uh, project managing those. Right. And then I was in the field, I was in the office more kind of managing, hiring I was helping occasionally with customer support. We had a, another office, a lady in the office that would help us, you know, full-time answering phones, giving quotes. And then, you know, my goal was continue to try to build the business and grow more. So, right, right, right. So how did you, how big, by the way, was the company when you, um, when you sold it? Like how many crews is that by the end? So we had about 1200 clients. Um okay. And we were doing lawn fertilization, weed control primarily. We did some mm-hmm. landscape, but yeah, 12, about 1,200 clients when we sold in uh, 2019. So we ran that company for eight years. Now, we went through many iterations, though. You know, the first four or five years, we were all mowing. And and then we also did some la- larger landscape installs. Right, right. Well, right. we had a hard time really hiring and paying, you know, really giving good wages. And we had a really hard time hiring good folks mm-hmm. uh, for ongoing crews. So when we, I crunched the number one winner, crunched all of our numbers, I realized, okay, lawn fertilization weed control is considerably more profitable. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just sell off the mowing divisions and, or sub them out and let's go all in on fertilization weed control. So yeah. I think around you know, 2014, 2015, we kind of went back to scratch. We started yeah. all over again, essentially. And, grew the FERT company and you know we we still you know we're not that that large um mm-hmm. it was a sizable company you know we were also full-time in college at the time yeah so you know we were kind of constrained in some respects on how much we could grow yeah yeah so for the guys out there who are still in in college and high school what did, what did that even look like for you because uh, when I started my company, I was homeschooled. Some of the, the people listening know. So I had a considerable amount more time than a lot of my other buddies who also had lawn care companies. I could kind of push off schoolwork to the weekend or to a rain day or something like that. But for you being in college, running that company, I know there's a lot of other younger guys who are either coming into college or in college, that kind of thing. How did you go about running, you know, multiple crews? while I'm assuming it sounds like your brother's a little bit younger, but by the time that you guys were both in college at the same time, how did you you know, continue balancing going to school. And it sounds like you went for like software engineering, which is not, doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's a very uh, an easy thing to be going to school for. So it sounds like a lot of work there. How did you, how did you balance doing both of those? And obviously you did the software engineering really well and the, the FERT business really well. How did you balance doing that? 
Yeah, it's, I'm not going to lie and say it was easy. Um, Definitely a challenge, definitely constantly behind on one or the other, you know, it's a trade-off you have to make. Sometimes you're behind on your college, you know, uh, you know, exam prep, and sometimes you're behind on the lawn care related stuff. But I would say just building systems, we, we built a lot of good systems using software to really try to streamline things and make it as simple as possible. So for example, I'll give you just a few examples. And we have, we have many, many systems, hundreds of systems. But um, we used to, when we started, I would go out with a measuring wheel and measure a lawn to give a quote for lawn mowing or lawn fertilization weed control. And then, you know, sometimes for mowing, we would just show up and I could just eyeball it. Oh, that's going to cost this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just not scalable. Uh, you're not going to, you're not going to really scale in lawn care company in today's world, especially, and I'll explain later, but you're not going to scale at the rate you want to by going out to every property and measuring it with a wheel. Now for hardscape, hardscape installs, you're going to have to do that. If you're building a retaining wall or a paver patio, you probably have to have eyes on the ground, boots on the ground for that. But so we started measuring remotely in service autopilot. We would click and draw from satellite. We would draw the lawn areas of the property. Mm-hmm. Based on that, we built a really complex pricing table that just factored in all of our fertilizer costs, drive time, and how long the technician would have to be on site. Mm-hmm. So we built a pretty good system for that. So our office team, when, when a, a phone call came in, they would just quickly, they would pull up service autopilot, they would search that address, quickly measure it. And our attempt was to give a quote over the phone. Yeah. Um, that, that was not, we, we were never really able to do that because it just takes too long to measure and sure. get info. It's very difficult. So we would just give a quote, try to get a quote in the hands of the customer in 15, 20 minutes. So that definitely, you know, freed up a tremendous amount of my time. Um, other systems in place for routing, automatic, you know, within a lot of these CRMs like Service Autopilot, we would build automations to automatically email a client, you know, the day before we come out to fertilize. Uh, it's very important that you let folks know and communicate well, especially when you're putting fertilizer on the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, if they have dogs or kids in the back lawn or they have a locked gate. So we, we built these automations that would help us just really streamline and uh, build better communication with clients. We would have an automatic report sent after the fact with the weather data, um, how much chemical was applied, what chemical, um, any notes from the technician, any pictures of damage or anything that the, te- the technician would see on site. Right. So, so just little things like that definitely like helped us tremendously be more efficient. Uh, one other thing I'll mention. So we built uh, within our shop, we built a very, a very quick fill system. So we had a, we had about a thousand, I think it was about a thousand gallon tank that we would fill up. We had a quick attach and a pump. So one of our, our trucks or vans and towards the end, we had large um, Mercedes Benz Sprinter vans because we, mm-hmm. we wanted to house everything on the van, mm-hmm. the Z spray, our tank, our pallet of fertilizer, everything contained and protected from the elements. So we would drive up in the shop, um, you know, the night before or the day of, we would just do a quick attach, turn on the pump, you know, in one minute, it would fill up the 200 gallon tank, yeah. disattach, you know, mixed chemicals, and then we're ready to go. Yeah. So that just systems like that, which I, I would constantly think about how do we improve this system? How do we like cut down time? Because yeah. time and minimizing, you know, downtime 
is is very important for Absolutely. a lawn care company. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. When you're billing, when you're basically getting paid for hourly labor, it's super important to maximize your time too. Obviously, the easiest way to make more more money is to charge more money. But at a certain point, when you're kind of hitting your market, um, as much as your market will take, then it's time to work backwards and really build out those systems, especially for the guys who are going to school too, um, or they have a day job as well. That's that's huge, especially especially for the guys making the leap. I think of the guys who are making the leap from they have a day job and they're running the business on the side to be able to make that leap is either a huge financial risk for them or they have to basically like kill themselves for like a couple of years trying to, to build this up enough that it can create an income for them and definitely nailing down how to, to build out the systems and automations in the business is going to be one of those um, priority pieces because you can do a whole lot more uh, with less and make that jump significantly easier. So it's a little bit more about um, acquisitions. I'm actually kind of curious about that. I, I know you said you, you guys acquired two companies really early on. Um, is that something that guy should be thinking about? And what did that look like for you guys? How did you go about that? Um, and at what, what size were you, you know, picking up other companies? I'm assuming they're not huge other companies, but, but what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. They were, you know, early on, we were still, my brother and I were still, I think we had maybe an employer too. Um, when we, we started just, you know, I had made friends with a lot of the companies in the area um, during like events and some of the distributors, I would talk to them. I just kept in contact. And then, you know, one of the, one of the folks was actually retiring, you know, the first, the first company we acquired, I think, I think there were maybe only 80, 80 customers, weekly mowing clients. Mm -hmm. And he approached me and said, Hey, you know, I'm looking at retiring next year. Uh, I'd like to discuss what us, you know, if you want, if you're interested in acquiring our customer base, yeah. um, you know, we didn't, we had no interest. We had a pretty good brand at the time. We had no interest in taking over his brand, mm -hmm. but so yeah, just simple conversations like that. And, you know, I essentially just bought his equipment and I bought his, you know, his routes, his okay. customers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, he helped transition really well. And, you know, there was very little churn yeah. um, with those customers. But then, you know, the second company was a more sizable company. Uh, they might have had like 200, uh, 200 full clients, most mm -hmm. of them mowing. Um, and you know, a good portion of them were full-time fertilization. We control clients. Yeah. So still, still a pretty small company, but... Um, you know, we, we started those, um, the guy, the guy was actually becoming a comp. Okay. I think he was, he didn't quite get to the scale where he could hire other people. So mm -hmm. he was doing almost all of it himself, him and him and, uh, you know, a couple employees. Yeah. So we, um, we started that conversation and, you know, that last, you know, the negotiations I think lasted like six months and we went back and forth on a few things, a few details, but I think we closed that and it might've been 2014 when that happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing crazy. It's just, you know, building relationships with some of these companies and then, um, you know, just the right time and the right space. And um, and then just hopefully, you know, hopefully getting a good deal. We felt like both of the deals we got were, were uh, you know, pretty solid. And we were able to build, you know, bring an ROI in on uh, what we spent pretty quickly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good deal. Good deal. So tell me a little bit more about, so you sold... You sold the company off, um, and then at the time, I believe you were in college, going, uh, pursuing a path in software engineering. Um, at the time, did you not think that, hey, I can really build this lawn care business out to be something more substantial? Were you kind of, kind of trying to get out of the industry 
Uh, was this a longer term like pipeline dream that you had? What was the reason for for selling the company and moving on versus versus uh, keeping that that company? Yeah, so I would say you know a few reason a few uh, a few big reasons kind of prompted me to want to decide. Okay, you know now might be a good time to exit. One, um, I was graduating. You know, I wanted to get into the tech space. So, you know, I I thought about starting DeepLon. You know, I've been thinking about the problems DeepLon solves probably since 2017. So I, I was already thinking about, hey, I do want to start a software company. Two, um, it was very difficult for us to hire good folks. So we were having some a hard time. Also, there's limitations in our market of Cedar Rapids we felt like there were definitely some limitations on the total ceiling of how much we could grow the company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were still growing well, but I could see down the road at some point, we're going to kind of hit a ceiling on how much we grow unless we expand into other service areas yeah. or open up new branches, which definitely, uh, we definitely have done that with a few other markets, but, yeah. but yeah, it just, it was, I was kind of thinking over all of that in my head. I had also, we also got approached by a few companies to acquire us mm -hmm. um, in 2019. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just go through this and let's see, see what comes of it. And we ended up getting an offer that, um, that we, my brother and I decided, okay, well, you know, this, this is a fair offer mm -hmm. and we're ready to embark on a new journey, you know, another company. So we decided to sell it and, um, you know, I graduated from college not too long after that. And I got, you know, a couple offers um, in the machine learning space as an AI developer. So I, I think it was a good decision at the time. Um, you know, I've since moved down to Austin, Texas, where it's a little bit warmer. Uh, don't We don't get the snow like y'all up in, up in the north. Yeah. But um, yeah, at the time, I think it was a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. As someone who, you know, is like heavily, like, you know, a lot about software engineering, you're technically a software engineer, um, specifically in like AI machine learning. Um, and this is something that I've even been seeing a lot myself. I really delved into it uh, in the past couple of months because we we said, hey, this is how much we need to grow by. This is how many clients we need. What does it take for us to actually hit these numbers? And when I worked backwards, I realized there are not enough hours in a day for me to go out there and sell enough work. And so I had to say, okay, well, what do I need to do? What are some tasks um, that I would normally be performing myself? And how do I work backwards and um, have automations do it, have other employees do it? And I really started getting down the, the rabbit hole of a lot of the, the um, like no code um, custom web applications, which for people in English, basically means like building apps for people who don't know how to, to code at all. Um, and yeah. so I started looking into that and, and using those applications to build like automations for me just to streamline uh, the sales process, especially for commercial commercial sales, um, selling commercial clients for landscaping and, and snow this this next year, which is basically just cold calling. It's just outbound sales. And so I started seeing opportunities there. Um, but if you were starting small and building up, because a lot of the guys who listen in are like sub 100K right now, if you were starting small and building back up again, what would you prioritize in the way of automations? I know you, you spoke about uh, estimating automations. Um, obviously, there's some shop things that you can do, um, emails, alerting people, that kind of stuff. What would be what would be some basic first steps for 
uh, guys out there who are right now, they're doing it all themselves. They're texting everybody themselves or calling everybody themselves. And so they're getting constraint time-wise um, in how much they can grow or it's just taken away from personal life as well. What would be some of the first things that you do for a lot of the, the smaller businesses? Maybe not something that's huge quite yet, um, but what would be personally some of your first steps? What would you be automating? What would you be building out? Yeah. So, so I think, I think one of the most important, especially for companies that are doing residential. So that's what we focused on. You know, my company was all residential. Um, if you're in the commercial space, it's definitely a little bit different of a sales flow. Mm -hmm. But one of the things um, you really should ensure is that you, somebody on your team answers the phone every time. So right. customers today, they, um, they have very little tolerance for waiting um, everybody has ADD with, um, you know, in the age of Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all that. So make sure you answer the phone. Uh, that's crucial. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely some, there's some phone answering services that are quite affordable, like Call Boss. That you can actually work with if you are not set up or you can't quite afford an office manager or somebody in the office. So I would look at that. Um, every missed call could potentially you can miss out on thousands of dollars of revenue over the course of that client's life. So it's very important. Two, I would, I would make sure that you're the first quote every time. So mm -hmm. there, there were a couple statistics out there um, that kind of really like pinpoint how powerful my company, you know, Deeplon is. One of them is about 80% of clients, and this varies in parts of the country, but on average, about 80% of clients that are looking for lawn care pest control services they're going to go with the company that gives them the first quote. Right, so yeah. now this is different from commercial, but in the residential space, this is very, very true. Sure, yeah. So you want to get that quote in the hands of the customer as quickly as possible. Now, if you look at companies like True Green are really, really good at this. Mm -hmm. You call True Green up as a homeowner, they're going to get you a quote right over the phone. Um, and then it, it, they're going to follow up with you every day, uh, probably for the rest of your life and harass you. Um, so it's very important. You get a quote in the hands of the customer and you, you can, you can compete with companies like true green. Yeah. Most companies do better work than true green. You know, true green does not offer the, the best quality, mm -hmm. but they're a great sales company. Yeah. So you, using tools like Deplon are a great way to get a quote in the hands of the customer. So if, if you have folks coming to your website, you know, Deplon, our, our company has an e-commerce tool. They can place directly on their website. A homeowner can come on search their address, our AI will automatically measure. They can add services or packages to their cart and sign up. So that's from the website. We also have tools internally that homeowners can, or uh, lawn care companies, whoever's in the office can answer the call while they're talking, can quickly generate that measurement and quote to give a phone or give the quote over the phone right. uh, in 60 to 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. So, so those are things that are very crucial. I would also say uh, be very conscious of where you where you service. So many, many companies make the mistake, and I did this at our company. We made the mistake of expanding service areas before we first dominated and built good route density where we were located. So it's, it's more, you know, you're going to get a better ROI as a lawn care company or a pest control company really dominating a couple neighborhoods than you will covering a full uh, metro area. You know, I see a lot of companies in, say, the DFW area, they'll target the whole 
Dallas-Fort Worth metro area, uh, and all of their customers are spread out. So what that means is their technicians or their crews are spending most of their day driving rather than producing revenue. So right. it would your profits go up tremendously if you can narrow down the neighborhoods that you really feel like you can dominate and mm-hmm. just get as many customers as you can so that your crews can show up, show up in the morning and they barely have to move their truck all day so they can produce revenue. So drought density is huge. It, it's enormous. And then, of course, you know, you mentioned it, pricing. I think you mentioned this earlier um, in this. Pricing is very important. You have to know your pricing. Uh, a lot of companies have no idea what they're actually, what, what their costs of goods sold are. Yeah. What they're paying um, their fully burdened labor rate. You know, if you, you hire employees and you pay them 20 bucks an hour, you're also, a lot of people don't, don't crunch the numbers and realize what they're actually paying per hour with FICA, with taxes, with, um, you know, seasonal unemployment, Mm -hmm. all of that, it adds up. So what you think is 20 is really $30 an hour. So you need to know your fully burdened labor rate. You need to know your overhead as a business. Ideally keep the overhead as low as, as low as possible. If you're under a hundred thousand or, you know, up through 250,000, half a million, you should really keep your overhead as low as you can. You probably can't hire a manager yet. But another mistake a lot of companies do is they'll hire a manager when they only have two or three crews. Yeah. And you can't, you, you know, that's that adds way too much overhead, non-revenue mm-hmm. producing overhead to the company. So you should, you should first think about, okay, how do I continue to produce revenue as well as manage till I get to the point where I have maybe five crews? Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, I can maybe step back as a manager because I'm now helping manage five or six crews mm-hmm. and then produce revenue. At that point, it makes sense. Right. A lot of folks at two or three crews, they'll go out and hire a manager and it just puts a huge burden on cash flow yeah. and, and it increases overhead to the point that a lot of times is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious too. Definitely speed to speed to close is, is huge. Getting people over the phone. And I've seen it a lot too. And, and even experienced people that I've talked to are like, it doesn't matter. You can be slightly more expensive than everyone else. You can be the most expensive one. But if you are the, the person who picks up the call, it is the first pers- first person to get them an estimate um, that oftentimes you're going to you're going to win. And so if you have a way to increase the speed at which you can get someone an estimate, like you said, sometimes it's hard to do it over the phone. Even if you're using like a basic measuring tool to, to find the square footage, you're going to have to keep that person talking for like 10 minutes and you're half distracted. And it, it increases the amount of time that you're taking on the phone with one person. So the other person goes to voicemail and it just becomes like this endless cycle. Um, exactly. But what would you say? I'm I'm curious too um, to get your opinion and then get your advice for guys who are maybe maybe they're they're even past the the 100k mark or the quarter million dollar mark or the half a million dollar mark like I've been been getting to when it comes to because I'm seeing this massive like separation uh, potential where the people who implement all the software and the AI and all that kind of stuff they begin creating a gap between that company who uses that and the company that doesn't use that how would um even like a smaller company nowadays like create that gap i know we we spoke about um deep long which is your software that has the um like ai that will measure the the lawn for you that could be internal or it could be something you can put on your website um i'm pretty sure there's a function where it can also calculate based on 
um, your current service area, how far away it is, because that's really important too. We are trying to, to hone down on a specific neighborhood. Um, but what what else can there be um, that that you've seen, um, just in AI in general, or, or with your software um, background, that can help? Like even if, like it's pretty much all like home service based businesses create separation between um, still answers all the phone calls themselves, sends all the emails themselves. Internal office staff has to handle everything. How do they create um, differentiation and like how do they create that gap where they don't have that overhead, right? If you can replace an office person with automations like we spoke about, um, that can drastically reduce your overhead. Um, what have you seen, especially because I see a lot of um, potential and even basic things that people haven't taken advantage of, uh, like platforms like Zapier, where you can basically connect and automate your emails to your calendar, um, to spreadsheets where you can track data, to forms where you can fill it out whenever a property is serviced or something is damaged, that kind of stuff. What have you seen um, available and, and what would you be doing um, yourself if, if even you're running your lawn care business again? What would you be using? What pro software programs, what protocols, what automations would you be putting in place to be able to create that, that gap between um, the competition and yourself? What would you be doing? Yeah. So after probably a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, once you kind of get past that point, you probably should look at getting a CRM. So using one of the CRMs in the lawn care space. So you could definitely, you could definitely connect. Uh, and I've seen people, it sounds like you're kind of doing this successfully using Zapier and a bunch of other tools to connect and seamlessly integrate. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of folks maybe are not technically savvy or, they might not be able to do the connection. Um, so, you know, I would suggest using a CRM and CRM just means customer relationship management. Um, and a lot of the lawn care CRMs also have routing, scheduling, automatic yeah. invoicing. That's where it becomes really powerful. So if you have over a hundred thousand in revenue, I would get a CRM like service autopilot, like spray um, jobber is a good one as well. Some of these CRMs that will automatically schedule for you, they'll route, they can help you with routing. Um, you can put a card on file. Um, the software can automatically charge that card after you service it, which that's very powerful. If you don't wanna, you don't want your office team to spend half the week on accounts receivable, you probably wanna get, get a card on file for all your clients. And clients today are used to this, you know, to, to use Netflix or to use Uber, you got to put a card on file. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazon Prime, it charges your card every month. So, you know, consumers are more and more used to this. So I would say it's crucial to get, get a CRM. If you really want to get, get to the point where you have a well-built business that can scale past a million, past 2 million, past 10 million. At that point, it's impossible for people to automate or you know to schedule manually for mm -hmm. you to go through and charge people's cards or send them invoices manually. You need that all to be automated. And a lot of these CRMs, they have that functionality. Um, you know, the two the two big ones that I really like lately are Service Autopilot and Spray, um, two great CRMs. You know, Jobber is a partner of ours. We have a lot of custom companies on Jobber, uh, good CRM. And, uh, you know, and there's probably another 50 CRMs we could go through, but I would yeah. say that's, that's huge. And, you know, that probably, there's not much AI going on there, mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily need that much AI. If you have a really good 
um, well-crafted website, you you get a lot of incoming leads. You have something like Deeplon on your website to hopefully convert, you know, fifty percent of those clients to customers automatically mm-hmm. without a human loop. Um, you you answer your phones. Um, you have a mechanism with your CRM to automatically route and schedule mm-hmm. and yep. uh, automatically charge that customer after a service. That right there is is most of the battle. And then then it's just a matter of hiring the right people. Um, you know, continuing to find, build systems in place to make things more um, seamless and streamlined. And then, um, and then, you know, putting more into marketing and sales. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And, and kind of my, my final question for you here is because there, anytime that I go anywhere on social media, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or anywhere, there is a lot of talk of AI. Obviously it's been around for a lot longer than, we first saw it with ChatGPT in, in the spring. That was kind of the first, I don't know, the first time that the public got a very open opportunity to use machine learning in that capacity. Um, but since then, a lot of people have kind of freaked out. Obviously, a lot of people use it as clickbait of, you know, AI is going to replace you. You're going to lose your job. All this, it's it's going to, you're, you're done. The AI is going to replace you. Um, in the lawn care and landscaping industry, um, in, and I'll give you kind of my honest um what I'm seeing with it as well is it doesn't appear that AI has as many applications, like obviously definitely with when it comes to estimating, that's something that can be done. But a lot of the tasks are very manual. It's very, um, it's manual outdoor labor. So it's it's a very different market. Do you see AI um, replacing a lot of roles in this particular industry? If so, what does that look like? And is AI even, um, I hate to say it, but is, is it even beyond estimating and, and those types of processes? I, I don't necessarily know if it's something to be worried about. I think it's more a tool in your toolbox. So AI can be used in a, uh, you know many different ways, You know, besides like computer vision with automatic estimating from satellite and aerial imagery. I do, I do foresee that a lot, of, a lot of mobile devices someday will have augmented reality or virtual reality or um, object detection where you can take a picture of a weed, it'll automatically classify it as, you know, a certain type of weed and it'll give, um, get a, give a synopsis of what you need to do to fix it. So I think, you know, there's a lot of little ways that AI can help and can aid. I think with customer service, mm-hmm. um, you know, someday AI can help augment that with upset customers. It can help, help kind of, just walk them through, you know, that the company's going to make it right, going to fix things. You know, it could definitely help with some of the phone calls. I think someday AI may be able to answer, you know, a, a robotic voice that kind of mimics what a human would do, could answer and answer questions and maybe even connect with Deeplon and give a quote over the phone. Mm-hmm. I could foresee that as a potential in the future. I don't think we're quite there yet, yeah. but there are some companies that are trying that and kind of early on in that space. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I know a lot of folks use ChatGPT to help craft emails. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what if you have an angry customer that call, that emails you, the chat, you can ask ChatGPT to uh, respond in a very nice manner <laughs> and try to make things happen. Right. And it can, help, it can help craft a really good email um, that is, you know, super, super nice. Yeah. Whereas, um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of benefits to utilizing AI. And I think there's, I think what's great is there's a lot of opportunities. 
for smart business owners like you and others that as they're going about their day and they, they realize that there's issues or there's problems that need to be solved and they realize, okay, they connect the dots and see that AI could be used, you know, to potentially solve that problem. And that's where innovation comes from, solving problems and using technology to solve problems. That's all innovation is. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities. I don't think many companies have really, really, there, there haven't been that many innovations in the lawn care space. Mm-hmm. So what, when, I, what, when I see that, it just makes me think that there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So, um, but I'm trying to see, am I missing anything here? Or are we nailing it down with, hey, let's start with um, estimates, right? Estimates is a huge thing. Um, responses, maybe if you need a non-emotional response, use something like ChatGPT, basic automations, um, hook it up to a CRM. If you want to run further automations through uh, Zapier off it, there, that's a possibility. Robot customer service, not quite there yet. I have seen some some stuff out there where they're kind of pitching it as it's ready, but I, it's a little bit clunkier than than uh, than a human would be. Um, yeah. Is there any is there anything else right now for for those who are trying to kind of get ahead of the curve, stay ahead of the curve, use AI and have it as a tool in their belt to to give them a little bit of that opportunity, like you said, have an opportunity to go a little bit further than their competitors can. Is there anything else out there? that we're missing here? Or do you think we, we touched on pretty much everything? Well, we, we didn't really get into the robotic space. Mm-hmm. There are definitely, um, whether we like it or not, robot mowers are going to become m- more and more of a thing. Right. So I think over 50 robot mowing companies now, there's a lot of really good, um, really good robots out there that will mow. Um, I, you know, I, I was just in Florida last week visiting with one of our good partners in Southern Florida they have robots that mow at a lot of these golf courses. They also have robots that will pick up golf balls. They also have an automated golf ball cleaning system. So the robots will pick up the golf balls, drop it into a bin that automatically uh, pumps it or you know, pushes that ball into a cleaning system and automatically outputs it you know, for, the, for the folks to continue hitting the balls at these ranges. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's very important that you stay on top of the just stay on top of the trends, and um, you know become familiar with some. If you are a mowing company, become familiar with some of these robotic mowing mowers, and a lot of them have AI built, or more and more they're having AI you know computer chips on site or on the robot with cameras, and in real time they have object detection and segmentation and all of that. So. I do think, I do think, you know, you have to crunch the numbers with all these robots, but in many cases they can be much more profitable than sending a human out yeah. um, every week. Whereas you can just drop the mower off and trim uh, and then pick the mower up or leave the mower on site. And every two weeks come by trim, check on the mower blow. So I've seen quite a few business models where that works really, really well. Now it works better for commercial you know, seeing a lot of the numbers uh, for a lot of these companies out there, it works better for commercial mm-hmm. maintenance companies than it does for residential. But I do, I do see a lot of these mowers are going down in prices. Innovation continues and competition increases. The cost for these mowers is going down. So mm-hmm. it's becoming more affordable. So I think that's going to be huge in the future. Right. So if, if you do, if you don't want to get left behind, it, it might be worth your time to spend a little bit of time um, starting to delve into these mowers, maybe ordering a few, 
trying to work them in, in your current systems. Because in 10 years, I mean, a good portion of these lawns are going to be mowed by robots. Yeah. So, especially as labor, labor in the U.S. continues to go up. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes more and more uh, a better ROI for these robots as labor continues to increase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, thank you for, for taking the time to, to come on. That was really good. Um, gives another perspective as well, whereas I'm on kind of the receiving end of the technology, whereas you guys are more on the developing end. You guys are kind of, you're seeing the cutting edge, you're seeing the curve before we even get to. And so super cool to hear from someone who not only has run a, a pretty successful company themselves, um, but has also merged that with a, a new industry that people are kind of going crazy over. Um, and that is going to be, you know, a big deal in the future when it comes to AI and robotics too. And to be honest with you, wasn't even thinking at all about the the robotic side of things, but that's a hundred percent true. Once once the cost makes sense, um, and the technology is there, it'll just that will begin to to take over as well. So that's good. Uh, I appreciate the insight, um, guys. If you have not already, um, if you've not heard of their company, I'm gonna actually link it down below. I'm gonna set up uh, set up a link to the the website down below if you guys want to go check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, where can they where can they find you and and uh, your company at? Yeah, I would say go to deep deeplawn.com, www.deeplawn.com. You can also find us on most of the social media channels. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's a great way to reach out or have a conversation. I think that's how we connected, Caleb. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, reach out on LinkedIn and happy to discuss or give insight on what I'm seeing around the country. You know, Deep Lawn, at this point, we have companies in every, every pretty much every state except, I think, Hawaii. Um, it, we have almost every market around the country are using Deep Lawn and um, happy to give you insight on you know, what I'm seeing and, and point you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, Joel, guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you next week.